There is no Godcast. The official podcast of Northern Indiana Atheists. And now, here's your host, Noah Bush. What's up, all you non-believers? Welcome to There Is No Godcast. It's me, your host, Noah. Um, episode three. Hey, I don't have, uh, I, I, guess, I guess I overlooked preparing some sort of catchy intro phrase for today. Um, that's all I've got for you. Episode three. Fun fact, though, three is my, uh, is my favorite number. It's my lucky number for a lot of reasons, none of which you probably care about at all. But I guess I, I could tell you real quick. Yeah, three has always been kind of my lucky number. I don't know why, or maybe not lucky, because I I don't know that I necessarily really believe in luck. But I can tell you that, like, when I was a kid, so, you know, my last name is Bush. So when I was, like, in elementary school and stuff, it was always kind of a thing where you would have a number based on uh, where you fall alphabetically in the uh, in the attendance, you know. And because of where my last name sat in the role, I was always near the top. But there would always be, like, you know... A couple kids ahead of me, there'd be like an Adams or a Burroughs or whatever, a couple names ahead of me that started with A or, or B. So I would almost always be number three. So it kind of just became like a thing that I noticed as, a, as my schooling went on that I was almost always number three. And then so then when I started playing sports and things like that, like, you know, Parks and Rec soccer and um, baseball and things like that, my I would always pick number three for my jersey number. And it kind of just became a thing. So number, yeah, the number three is almost always been my number. Um, and this is episode three. So th- th- this has been our fun little segment called what's Noah's favorite number. And it's probably the only time we'll ever need to do this segment because uh, that's it. It's no- it's number three. So n- now you know. So what's up on today's episode? I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad we made it to three episodes. That's uh, three more episodes than, I don't know, three more episodes than none. So we're doing pretty good comparatively to most podcasts that don't even exist. So we've got that over them. Today we... Um, we're going to mostly focus on one thing. We we did a, an, an atheist story time. I recorded an interview a few days ago with my, my dear friend, Doug Ferguson. So he's going to be on the show. And I'm not going to lie. That's going to basically take up the majority of the episode um, because we had a really, really great conversation. Doug had a, um, a great story to share with me and to share with all of you. And we talked for a while, so it's really good stuff. I didn't, I couldn't bring myself to cut any of it out because it's, it's all really good stuff, and I'm really looking forward to sharing it with all of you. So that's going to be the bulk of today's episode is um, Atheist Storytime with Doug Ferguson. But I did have a couple other things that I wanted to get to. I've been posting a lot of things on the Facebook page, which I hope any of you listening to the show are also following on the Facebook page. That's where the majority of the activity is in terms of um, content outside the actual podcast recordings, I've tried to make it a point because I've been, you know, reading all these things about like how to make a successful podcast and how to grow your audience and how to, you know, maintain a following and, you know, recording and releasing episodes on a consistent schedule was a big thing. But it also talked about being active on social media, you know, maintaining um, a steady and and active presence where your listeners can see, you know, the show being active in between episodes. So, I've tried to make it a really, really specific point to post something, anything, on at least the Facebook page every day. You know, whether it's an article or even just a meme or um, a random thought that I have. And there was one thing I shared the other day that I even remember mentioning 
in my in my comments to the post that I was probably going to talk on a future episode of the show. So by the time you guys are hearing this, this post will have probably been, you know, weeks ago. But I still, it, it really struck a chord with me. And I remember when I was originally posting the link, you know, sometimes when I post these articles, I'll, I'll write a few comments and something to kind of give a brief version of my opinion, sort of a mini off the cuff. But I, this one, it was hard to keep mini, so in a, in a manner of speaking. So I, I started, I wrote a few comments and then I wrote a few more and it kind of turned into one of those things where before I realized it, I had written, you know, like four paragraphs worth of, worth of thoughts. And then I kind of stopped before I posted and I thought, well, if I have this much to say about this article, then maybe it's something I ought to save for the show, uh, you know, that it would make a good um, off the cuff. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do off the cuff. We're going to do our interview with Doug, and then we're going to do a listener question. I've been getting some questions from listeners. Uh, I've had one question that's sort of been sitting in, in my back pocket since the very first episode uh, from a friend of mine who has, has sort of been following the progress of the show since before the show even started airing um, because she's a friend. She's someone I know personally, and she had been you know watching my Facebook videos, and she sent me a question. Um, I don't even think she necessarily intended it for it to be read or used on the air when she sent it. It was really just something for us to have a conversation about between her and I. But I asked her when I got the question, I was like, oh, this, you know, this would make a really good talking point on the show for me. And I asked if she would mind if I used it on the show. And she's, she's a very gracious, um, you know, person. So she said, no, of course not. I don't mind. And I said, okay, well, cool. Well, I'll do that. And I said, it was kind of back in that stage where I was still really nervous about needing lots of material to fill you know, even a half an hour. And of course, as you've all found out, that's, that's not been a problem. So I haven't, um, basically I haven't needed to use it yet, but I've, it's kind of been bothering me because I actually want to talk about it. Despite the fact that I've had kind of other things to fill up an hour's worth of, of podcast time, I want to talk about it. It's, it's, it's a good question and it's a real question. It's not just something that I found on some article, um, randomly on the internet. It's something that actually came directly from a person who um, I know in real life. So I want to talk about it. So I'm going to do that today. Yeah. So Doug's interview is about 45 minutes. So I've got about 15 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. I don't, I don't care. Like I said, I'll, I'll spend as much time talking as I want. And if you want to turn it up, turn it off, then turn it off. So the first thing I want to do off the cuff is uh, there's an article that I posted a few days ago about this baseball player, right? Uh, some of you may remember this. If not, feel free to press pause or pull up your Facebook while you're listening to this and go find it on the There Is No Godcast Facebook page. It's It talks about this professional baseball player who, and his name escapes me, but he was a, he was a World Series MVP. You know, he was a very prominent player in his time. Honestly, I don't even, I didn't recognize his name when I saw it, which is unusual because I'm, I'm not like the end-all be-all of sports trivia knowledge, but usually someone who was a World Series MVP not that long ago, like in the late 90s, I think it was, I would have at least typically thought that I would have heard of who he was, but I, I hadn't. I had not. His name did not ring even the faintest of bells with me, um, but it doesn't really matter what his name is. What he did is what's important or what he's alleged to have done. He's a very outspoken Christian. He's a very outspoken believer, and the article makes reference to that several times because it's, it's from an atheist website, and the reason why they're, they're sharing it as news, not only because of the heinousness of, of what he did, but because of the fact that he is a, a very pronounced Christian. And of course, I've said many times this is not a Christian bashing show, but I do think that it's important because, you know, when there are celebrities or famous athletes, um, really anybody in the public eye who is extremely outspoken about their faith, um, when they do these terrible, terrible things, 
you know, it it certainly it does add a layer of hypocrisy, in my opinion, to an already extremely evil act. You know, and that's not uncommon, uh, for in, in my opinion, for people with these kind of evil intentions in their in their hearts and in their minds to, I guess, overcompensate by hiding behind a mask of religion. You know, it's not an uncommon thing that religion sort of, and again, I'm not saying that all people in religion are bad. I'm not saying anything of the sort, but I'm saying that there are a lot of bad people out there and that a lot of these bad people will sort of uh, be drawn to embracing religion or at least a facade of religion because I feel like in their minds, it's sort of this protective mask that will lead people to believe that they are good, kind-hearted individuals despite the fact that they know you know, the, the despicable things that are that are in their minds and on their thoughts. I feel like in some ways maybe they think that it, it sort of cancels out karmically and to themselves, or maybe they just think that it'll be easier to fool other people if they profess, you know, very loudly and very proudly that, that they're Christian believers. Uh, but obviously that has nothing to do with anything when, when victims come forward and when evidence comes to light showing what these people did. The fact that they're Christian or atheist or Hindu or Buddhist or pagan or Wiccan or any other thing doesn't doesn't matter at all, doesn't matter in the least. But to me, as an outspoken atheist and as a person who at times has sort of been looked down on as, as an immoral person or as a less than uh, ethically type of person, yeah, I, I'd be lying if I said that when these really prominent Christians are found to have done these really terrible things— that it doesn't sort of add an extra bit of salt into the wound. You know, like what what this person did is terrible. I don't think I've actually said it yet, but if you hadn't figured it out, um, he's accused of having, I believe, raped a four-year-old. I mean, and and, and come on, it it doesn't, it literally, in my mind, does not get worse than that. Like there there is not a worse act that one can commit um, in this world than harming a child, uh, specifically in, in a sexual way. Um, you know, and he's this he's this very outspoken follower of Christ, and I'm sure that he had probably very strong views about people who were not followers of Christ or people who were atheists. And now here he is, you know, being exposed for what he really is. And as I said, and as I will continue to say, and I don't care how redundant it gets, I, I will say it as many times as I feel like saying it, you know, the point is not that uh, Christians are evil. That's not the point. The point is not that atheists are good. Neither is true, neither is inherently false. The, the point is simply that religious faith and decency are not synonymous, uh, nor is atheism and deviancy. You know, each of us ought to be judged by the content of our characters and the sum of our deeds. So, yeah, you know, for the record, I feel that tenfold when prominent atheists are accused of doing similar things. Like, because I, I, I'm trying not to be hypocritical. I'm trying to be fair and objective. Like, because I, I feel like a fair counterpoint to what I'm saying right now would be for someone to say, well, no, what about when, a, when an outspoken atheist does something terrible? Yeah, it's, that's, it's just as awful. It's maybe even more awful for me be, just because it's, it's like, man, you know, you were, you're a representative of, of us. You're a representative of our non-belief set. And for you to do this and kind of shine a negative light on the rest of us is... It's terrible. Like the deed itself is unspeakably terrible in its own right. But yeah, no, it's it's not just me jumping on Christians who turn out to be evil people. It's I I cannot stand it when atheists turn out to be terrible people. And and because as I keep saying, the whole point is that one's 
kindness or one's capacity to do evil, in my opinion, doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with whether one is religious or not religious. But I feel like whatever whatever viewpoint one comes from, when one is found to have done really terrible things, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to point to that and say, see, see, he did something terrible and he's a Christian and so Christians are, you know, or the opposite. See, he did something terrible and he's an atheist. So that means all atheists are, you know, and the point should be, we should not be typecasting anybody. We should all be judged based on the content of our characters. That's what I believe. And that's part of why I'm doing this show to show people that, hey, this guy's an atheist and he's actually just a pretty regular guy. But yeah, that article really struck a chord with me. And, you know, there are, there are like, Lawrence Krauss comes to mind. He's been accused of doing some pretty terrible things. I believe Neil deGrasse Tyson very recently has been accused of, of some pretty rough stuff. And I, I, you know, completely condemn it all. I condemn all of it. it I, I don't recall uh, whether or not they've been charged or convicted of anything. And even this baseball player, I don't think he's actually been convicted yet. And that that's important, you know. It, it seems you know, when charges this high profile come about, it's rare that someone is completely innocent. So, but again, innocent until proven guilty, and that's how it ought to be in our legal system. So when it comes to this baseball player, when it comes to people like Lawrence Krauss, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, if they did the things that they are accused of having done, shame on them. Shame on them, regardless of whether they're atheists or Christians or anything in between. Uh, but it does, it does, it does grab my attention because I, I feel like the presumption is tends to be more on the side of Christians being good and atheists being bad, you know. So, which again, neither should necessarily be viewed as as inherently true at all. But atheists don't profess themselves to be inherently good. Atheists just say we don't believe in your God and we're just going to live our lives. I do feel like that there are a lot of Christians who believe that the opposite of true is true. You know, that they do tend to think, well, because I'm a follower of Christ, that makes me a good person. That makes me a better person than you are as someone who doesn't believe in Christ. So as I said, the acts are despicable on their own merits. Um, but I do feel like when outspoken believers, people who are very loud and very proud about saying, yeah, you you know, if you don't believe in Christ, you, you can't be a good person. You can't be saved. You can't be, you know successful in life morally i do feel like there's an added layer of hypocrisy and my heart goes out to the victim in this case i I hope it's only one and goodness you know i hope that whatever whatever happens to this baseball player and i almost don't even don't don't even want to put in any more effort to go back and look up his name because he's not really worthy of having his name spoken on this show or any other show if he did what he's accused of having done, then I hope that the legal system plays out the way that it's supposed to and that he gets every bit of punishment uh, that he has coming. And that's what I've got for you today on Off the Cuff. We're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsor. And we'll be right back with our interview with Doug Ferguson. I do want to say also, before I cut to the sponsor, I forgot. Yeah, the audio on my end for the interview is not great. I'm not sure why, frankly. I did a couple mic tests today before I started recording this segment, and it sounds fine. It sounds normal and a lot better. I don't know what the deal was when I was recording with Doug. I don't know if my posture was weird or the mic was a little too far away from me, but there's a really kind of weird cavernous effect for my audio, and it doesn't sound great, which I was pretty bummed about on, on my end. But, you know, whatever. You can still hear my words. You can still understand me. The, the content is, is completely you know, perceptible, and that's all that really matters. But before anybody brings it to my attention, I just wanted to say, yes, I'm aware that the audio on my end for this interview sound, sounds like a dog turd, but hopefully I can just be more careful next time before I hit record 
and check that that is not the case. I hope you enjoy it, though. It's a great interview. And um, after a word from our sponsor, we'll be right back with Doug Ferguson. Stick with us. I confess it, I'm a skeptic I believe in the scientific method I believe in reason and evidence And things being tested I'm really not trying to be rude When I tell people I don't believe you I believe you believe it to be true But I want to see some peer review Human beings are oh so deceivable Oh so promiscuous with what's believable I'm old fashioned Hey, just wanted to take a minute to give you an update on Mixed Fabric, official sponsor of There Is No Godcast. They've started putting some shirt samples up on their uh, Facebook page, and they're gearing up towards announcing the Kickstarter. So, go find them on Facebook, give them some feedback on which shirts you like, and I wanted to just reiterate that every shirt they produce is high quality and has been ethically sourced, so you'll feel good wearing and feel good buying them. And just remember, 10% of all sales will go towards nonprofit organizations that we care about, like the Freedom From Religion Foundation, the ACLU, and so on. Uh, thanks for checking them out. Back to the show. You make the claim, you're the instigator. I just want to see if that claim could be replicated in the presence of a skeptical investigator. I'm not scoffing. If it's true, that's awesome. And until proven, my thoughts are agnostic, open-minded. All right, and we're back. Uh, we are joined now on the show by a good friend of mine, um, someone that I go way back with, Doug Ferguson. How you doing, Doug? And busy. Did good. I'm doing well. How are you doing? And busy. Super easy. I love it. Man, oh man. You, <laughs> you and I, we do go way back. Certainly way back farther than anyone else I've had on the show to this point. When did we, when did we meet? Like, when would you say that was? Certainly we went to high school together. We did a lot of theater together. I'm trying to think when it would have been. Like, when the first time we really would have known each other properly was. Would it have been like Children so of it- Eden, do you think? Or farther back than that? I think it was farther back than that, because I was trying to remember the same thing. So I think the first show that we did together was Joseph. Right. And I was in the children's chorus. I I was going to say, we've kind of joked about that. Okay, so so (laughs) we kind of forget that the audience listening doesn't know anything about any of this. But Doug and I went to to high school together. We were a few years apart, though. Were we three years apart? No, more than that. I graduated in 2007. Okay, and I what was two thousand three, so we were four, so we were four years apart. So yeah, yeah. Um, and my senior year, I was Joseph in the show Joseph, which there's no shortage of irony over the fact that we're sitting here on my atheist podcast talking about having been in Children of Eden <laughs> and, and Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor yes. Dreamcoat together. Yes. Um, but I was Joseph, nope. and you. Like, it was kind of like the, the shame of your existence. It's always been the joke that we've had in our friendship that you were in the children's chorus and I was... But, like, you were like you were just barely, like, not old enough to be in the main cast. But, like, you know, I don't... Yeah, so that show, actually, I... So if you graduated in 2003, right. you were a senior when I was in eighth grade because that was the year that the eighth graders did shows with... Or, like, the middle school did shows with the high school. Right. So we did To Kill a Mockingbird, and we did Joseph, and I think we did Annie, Man, too. that's right. Yeah, because you, yeah, you were in To Kill a Mockingbird. Maybe it just feels like we went to high school together because, like, while I was in high school, we still spent a lot of time together, you know, because theater is kind of a very inclusive community. Right, but I was looking back on it, and I was like, man, I did, because I, like, hung out with all you guys, and I was like, man, what was it about me that they decided to have pipsqueak little Doug just carry around and be little eighth grade freshman Doug just uh because you were because you were cool AF Doug and you were you know, you were, 
You were super ahead. I'd like to think so. Yeah, you were. Um, and, but, but, and, and kind of getting things back on point in terms of you being on the show, um, you and I have talked for a while, ever since I kind of started to, to do those videos and stuff, that I really wanted to have you on the show because you've got a very interesting story, very compelling story. Because back then, back when I first met you and knew you, you were very Christian, very, very, very Christian and very outspoken about it. So yeah, and I and I I know you've got your story, and we'll and we'll kind of start things off in just a minute. But yeah, I mean we were um, we were good friends. We kind of ran in the same circle, and I think after I graduated, because it definitely was Children of Eden, which which I was in college at that point. I think were you still in high school then when we did Ch- Children of Eden? Yes. Yep, so but I was. that's the show where we really became like friends, like for real good friends. Like we had the whole poker thing going on back then. Poker was like super popular. And we had like this yes. whole little click within the cast of this show. There was what, like maybe like like seven to ten of us in this cast of like maybe maybe like sixty or seventy kids. And um, yeah, definitely enough to have some good poker games. Like hell yeah, it's so hard to find seven people now to play poker. Those I know were the right? days when you could just like get a nice group. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. But back then, man, the world was our oyster, and we didn't even realize it. Like, we we had, <laughs> man, we had it good back then. Like, we were the cool kids in the show. Like, basically every night after rehearsal, we'd all go hang out at my parents' house, down in our my parents' basement, which is so cliche. I can't even hardly stand myself <laughs> right now. And we'd play poker yeah. and, like, eat Taco Bell. <laughs> Yep, yep. Uh, the good old days. They, those were the good. Old, and I remember one time, like two girls kissed, and it like made our brains explode. Like I, that was like that was how <laughs> rad we were back then. Um, we were very anyway. wholesome. There was there was never any drinking, really. I no, don't there think. was never any drink because I didn't even we, drink back then. I didn't have my first right, drink until we were, I was twenty three. For a group of like uh, you know older high schoolers and stuff, we were a pretty wholesome little group in that little. Yeah. poker click and everything else we but, were but we yeah. thought we were just like we we thought we were like you know absolutely god's gift to awesomeness well yeah that's like kind of my theme of growing up is that i thought it was god's gift to awesomeness so right, don't right. ruin the whole story well birds of a <laughs> birds of a feather douglas they, they do in fact flock together <laughs> so this makes a lot of sense yes. yeah so doug and i have been we've been close um you know ever since i mean obviously our lives took us in very different directions geographically and professionally but we've always remained very close we're, we're both completely obsessed with fantasy football so you've been in my fantasy football league for a long long time and that's always been kind of a hobby that you know that's kept uh, the core group of us um in in communication but you have been on a very interesting journey, um, religiously, philosophically, and over the years, it's, it's been great to just kind of watch, you know, I mean, I'm not that much older than you, and really, the older we get, the closer in age we are, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Because, like, a 16-year-old is very different than a 12-year-old, but, like, a 33-year-old is not that much different than a 29-year-old, you know? So, like, the, exactly. yeah. the older we get, and so, like, I remember over the years, especially once I was in college and kind of getting removed from college, that I was able to sort of bear witness through things like Facebook and and things like that to this kind of journey you've been on. But I wanted to have you on the show so you could tell the story yourself, because it's a very relevant story for the, the topic matter of this show for Atheist Storytime today. So without further ado, if you're ready, Doug, the floor is yours. You can start wherever you want, take as long as you need. I think the people are going to enjoy hearing what you have to say. Awesome. I'm so excited for story time. So, yeah, I guess just to kind of start out and um, kind of where I'm going with this journey, too, and a lot of it I've been realizing even more recently of drawing together the lines and kind of relating it is 
First, I want to identify myself as a gay man. Um, I've come out relatively recently, um, but I do see a lot of parallels between coming out as gay and being atheist and just in general what I'd like to kind of term as these silent diversities, right? So right. the default, especially in our American culture, is that you are straight. The default is that you are Christian um, for the most part. And then there's other, you know, silent diversities that everyone has that um, someone would assume otherwise that requires, you know, kind of these coming out phases or things like that. Right. Um, like, like if you like, basically, if you don't say otherwise, it's expected that you're straight. It's expected that you're Christian, and and so on and so forth. Like those are just the default expectations in our society. Definitely, yeah. So a lot of it, you know, I think, and you spoke to it earlier too, is having that visibility, right? So I want to be a good representation of these things, so that I'm, you know. Certain groups that I represent aren't viewed in a poor light. Um, right. So I think it's important to be out and visible um, to hopefully be a good representation of the things, you know, that I represent and the things that I am. Um, so I just kind of wanted to frame my story that way. So sometimes you might hear me talking about how I'm coming out as gay, but, you know, there's a lot of parallels between the two. Um, and I'll obviously speak to my religious backgrounds as well. So I guess from the beginning, uh, growing up in Tecumseh, so for those of you who don't know, I did, I did a little bit of research. Uh, Tecumseh is 5.65 square miles, so it's pretty small. Um, 8,500 people, and 96% of that is white. So it is wow. a very much um, accustomed to group think, you know? Sure. I, I mean, growing up in that, you don't... Like, I didn't think about it actively growing up, um, but until you really get outside of that, you realize how much, um, you know, one specific culture that you're being surrounded by most of the time. Sure, it's, it's pretty um, lacking in diversity. Now, now, let me ask you, are those statistics that I, I had no, I mean, I, I certainly don't doubt any of those numbers. Are those current statistics in terms of, like, the most recent I think I pulled that from the last census. It was on Wikipedia. So I think it was like, what was the last census? Sure. Like 2000. And, I, and I guess the reason I ask and the reason why it's relevant is because you and I are talking about like if, that, if that's the most recently available information and that's today, you can only imagine right. that things were even less diverse 10, 15, 20 years ago when you and I were, were growing up in this relatively small, you know, Midwestern city. So anyway, go ahead. Exactly. And, and I, you know, in that 5.6 square miles – you think about it, and there's a lot of churches packed into that 5.6 square miles. I mean, it, it is Boy, a pretty predominant there. culture. Yeah. Um, you know, just growing up, that's what everybody does. And that's kind of, you know, kind of framed it. Um, so my parents, uh, they are Christian. They identify as Christian, I should say. I don't think they've gone to church in the past, you know, few years. Um, but if you were, you were to ask them, they were, they're the type of believers that you've described before that would say that they're Christian. Sure. Um, casual you know, Christians. We, we, casual Christians. Uh, and, you know, say prayer before holiday meals and things like that. My dad does. And, um, but I think that they're very much accustomed to that culture too. That's what they grew up in. Um, and they didn't go to college. Um, they have no desire to leave the country. Uh, I, I love my parents dearly and I, I, you know, I don't want to, um, 
speak any ill of them by any means, of course, because um, they're very loving parents and everything like that. But they are a victim of, of their own culture and things like that, too. So sure, I guess sure. that was kind of growing up. Um, they're products I of the was, cultures that they were raised in. Exactly. And so some to some degree, it's, you know, kind of under it's understandable to, the, to some extent. Right. So growing up, I was always um, active in the church. And I think in high school, I really started becoming more actively engaged. And I always just had this mindset because this is all I knew at the time of that I needed to have you know, the traditional, and I'm using air quotes, uh, traditional family and traditional values, and that I would grow up, I would have a career, and I would have a wife and kids, and I would be successful if I had a good career and had a good family life. Right, you know, that if was you, just if you fit was... that mold. Yeah, exactly, because that was the mold, that was the mold of everyone that I saw, you know, everyone that I knew, extended family, friends, you know, that was the mold that everybody else had. So it wasn't like there was many other molds for me to fit into or even think about. Um, so that was kind of, you know, ingrained in me. And I did start getting very involved with the church. Um, and I was in the church youth group and I did a lot of mission trips. So we would go down uh, to different states and um, do work trips and we'd work on people's houses. And it was really rewarding, you know, these people that didn't have the means to repair their roof or repair their porches, and we would come into their cities, and it'd be a large group of people across the country, and be able to work in their houses. And that was, you know, a really rewarding feeling of being able to help these people. And uh, kind of with what you spoke to earlier, there's a lot of really good things about religion, um, Christianity or otherwise, that pronotes, you know, that fellowship and that community service kind of things. Um, and so I was getting that out of it, you know. Sure, that sense of community and belonging and uh, and kindness. There's a lot of kindness uh, in, in modern-day Christian churches, for sure. Exactly. And so then it was also a source of, you know, having friends and social outlets to use, among the other things that I was doing, like musical theater and choir and such. Um but yeah, so I was very, I was very obedient, um, you know, and listening to your story, Noah, I, I really liked your defiant nature, you know, and you were like, no, I'm not going to do this. But I was kind of the opposite. I just took what was told of me and I ran with it and I just was a very obedient, I, I, I never really challenged much. Um, I lived by the rules and in high school, you know, I was a really good student and I had three morals I was going to live by. And I remember, you know, this was probably like at 16 or maybe a little bit earlier than that, too. I, I, I defined these morals. I was going to not have sex until I was marriage, uh, married. Uh, I wasn't going to drink until I was 21. And I wasn't going to do any recreational drugs ever. And, honey, those things have gone out the window. So <laughs> those things did not exactly happen. Uh, wait, wait, the only you're thing zero I... for three at this point? Oh, for three. Oh, for three. <laughs> um, the one thing I hold on to, which still I learned makes me a suitable partner for you, Noah, is that I've never smoked a cigarette. So, wow. <laughs> I, I got to hold on to something at least, right? Sure. So that, sure. that's the one thing that I hold on to. That's, and, that's a and the one thing that when I'm, yeah, the one thing that when I'm playing Never Have I Ever that I can, hold on to that I don't immediately get out within like the first 10 rounds because that game always just 
completely I lose that every time. That's fair. <laughs> you know what? And I should probably – I'll just do a quick mini tangent just because you remind me now. I felt really bad after recording that and like I was like, man – I bet you anyone who's listening to this who smokes cigarettes is probably like really not very happy with the way that I describe my feelings about <laughs> cigarette smokers. I felt really bad. But I was like, oh, I mean, it's kind of how I feel. But like, it's not like I look down on people who smoke or like am disgusted by them as people. Just I, I just, you know, I just don't like the habits, how I feel about it personally. Um, and I certainly didn't really want to have it be a part of um, a relationship that I was going to have. It was going to be a long-term relationship, you know, that I was like, well, you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of just trying to dig my way out of this hole now because I don't want like anyone who listens to the show who smokes cigarettes to like hate my guts or think that I hate their guts. So anyway, cigarette smokers, that's fine. You do you, dog. And like, you know, maybe don't smoke in the car while I'm in the car and otherwise we'll be fine. And I'll be polite. I promise. So anyway, Doug, I'm so sorry for interrupting you. No, no. For the record, that was unprompted. No, I had no idea I was going to talk and bring up cigarettes. So that I'm glad that no. I gave you the platform to be able to apologize. I but, haven't been uh, sleeping, yeah, was... Doug, ever since I recorded that episode. <laughs> so I appreciate you giving me a chance to alleviate my guilt. You're welcome. You're welcome. This is your confessional. I'm here. So for you. you were saying that you were just basically you were very you were very obedient to this culture that you were very yes. kind of at, at the time. Yes, and I got to the point where, you know, I was so absorbed into this um, Christian culture, and I was on the Protestant side, so I was a Presbyterian, and um, I was so absorbed into it, though, that I believed that in order to have 100% faith in something, you are therefore dismissing other people and other people's beliefs. And so I had a bit of an ego in high school, for sure. And I had gotten to did. the point. Let's you know, just call it for what it is. We both. I mean, you know, we were <laughs> we're musical theater guys. Like you have to have a bit of an ego to get up there and do the crap that we did. Yeah, yeah, it's justifiable sure, um, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was to the point where I was a hundred percent sure that my belief system was the correct belief system. So much so that I dismissed anybody else. And if you didn't believe what I was believing, then you were wrong. And I felt that you should believe what I believe. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, where I was at until I went to college. Um, and so I was dating uh, a girl in high school. And we dated for three years. So we dated two years in high school and then one year in college. Right. And Looking back on it, she so she was much more on the liberal side of things and much more open-minded, not very religious. She kind of tried it out uh, a little bit for me because she knew that I was. Um, but looking back on it, she you know, she was kind of like a nice guiding light, I, I guess, for lack of better words, in terms of opening my mind to different things. For sure. And, and obviously, knowing you as long as I have, like, I know who you're talking about. And we're obviously not going to identify these people by name on the show. Um, but I can definitely speak to the fact that this is all true. She, she's a lovely girl. Um, and yeah, I, I can imagine that she would have been a really good, I guess, influence on your um, development in that way. Yeah, and I didn't realize it at the time. You know, sure. I, it was more of a set of a form of tension, you know, that we didn't have these differing beliefs. But looking back on it, it was probably the best thing that could have happened um, for me in the development of me as a person. Um, I wonder where I would be without that kind of influence in my life. So it is very uh, great that I had that experience. Right. And 
so going into college, um, I wanted to have, I wanted to go to a big university. I wanted to get out of Tecumseh. And I kind of wanted to follow my girlfriend at the time as well. So um, I ended up going to Michigan State. Go Sparty. And yes, go green. Um, so there was more than 340 people of other ethnicities in there. Um, it wasn't 96% white. Uh, you know, I was surrounded by different people. I was like, wow, this is weird. Not everyone's Christian and white here. So um, I was, you know, my... I was starting to mature a little bit. I think it did take me until freshman year of college to really mature. Um, but I remember it was second year or second semester of my freshman year. And I was in a social sciences class. And this was a really pivotal moment for me. So I was in this social sciences class and my professor, he, and I'm pretty sure this was like even before professors used PowerPoint. So he was using a projector Yikes. and writing on a glass screen with a dry erase marker, <laughs> which is crazy to think about now. Like, I don't think that that happens anymore, does it? I, I certainly hope not. I mean, not, probably not at Michigan State, <laughs> I, I would really hope. Yes. I mean, I was in this big lecture hall and he was, he drew a pie chart, right? So he drew this large pie chart on the projector and he said this represents all the belief systems within the world and he was trying to talk about how there's multiple different belief systems and religions and things and so he's like let's just for the sake of argument uh agree that you know we're all on this we're all born into this world we don't really know why we're here um and then we all kind of form our belief system so on a very simplistic level and he said, let's just assume that there's only one correct reasoning or belief system as to why we're here. Right. The, the Highlander principle. There, there can be only one. There can be only one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the way that he framed it. And so then he split his pie chart, his circle, into all the different religions and belief systems of, of the world. And he then took one wedge. And so for the example, he purposely, I'm sure, used Christianity. So he took a small wedge, which was represented Christians, and said, okay, so now let's assume that Christians are the ones with the correct beliefs. And then he split that in half and said, well, you have your Protestants and you have your Catholics. So they have, you know, relatively the same beliefs, but let's just assume that only one of those is correct. Right. So then he took the Protestant wedge and he split that into Lutherans and Baptists and Presbyterians and, and all the other, you know, um, different groups within Protestants. And so he said, let's assume only one of that is correct. And from there, he said, now let's think about any religion in its, you know, purest form. It has a set of guidelines or things that you need to follow in order to be a true representation of that belief system. And so he said... He took a really small percentage. He said, how many people of a specific religion, you know, actually follow that religion to the way that it was meant to be taught or the way that it was meant to be followed? And I was just sitting there and it, so he pulls out, you know, this really small piece of a, another really small piece. And I was looking at that and I looked around and, you know, like you, I like to think that I'm a pretty smart intellectual person. Um... And I just, you know, said to myself, I was like, wow, that's like, Doug, you rep you think that you in that very small section 
is right? Like, what makes you have the answers and makes you think that you are any more right than anybody else? Right. You know? and, and, and yet everyone else in the entire world that doesn't fit into that very, very tiny slice of pie is just completely wrong, you know, and... Um, depending yeah. on who you, depending on who you ask, you know, may potentially be doomed to eternal damnation because of that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like I said, that was like part of my ego too, because that's, that is what I believed before that. I was like, yes, that is me. All these thousands and thousands of other people and millions of other people are, are wrong, you know? And, and I was just like, wow, you are, that takes quite an ego to believe that you have the capability to believe that. Um, so from there, you know, I really started to think about things differently. Um, and it was the liberating aspects of college that made me realize, okay, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not correct. And maybe, you know, there are other belief systems that could be true. And it shouldn't be me just assuming that I'm the correct one. Um, and I got to know more people and different backgrounds and things like that. And that summer, my girlfriend broke up with me, which was good in the long run, because then I could, you know, explore new people, make new friends, um, and kind of get out of my comfort zone that I was so used to as well. Uh, so yeah, that, that was my like really epiphany moment was in college of realizing, okay, my upbringing maybe not is you know, what, what is the truest form and what I should be believing in. So that was right. when I, it kind of first started for me. All right. So where did, where did things go from there? Like once you had kind of made up your mind, you know, over these kind of college, you know, years, like where, where did, where did the journey take you next? Like in terms of like, um, cause obviously you're very out now, you're very out of the closet as a gay man. You're very out of the closet as um, a, a publicly declared atheist. Like how did those things come about? Yes. So at this time, um, and in college, I was still um, straight in my, in my mind. Um, and the few years after college, I, you know, I went through some, some struggling times, and I don't think that I really knew myself very well. And looking back on it, I can tell that I was kind of lost, and, and there, so there really wasn't much progression um, directly after college. So there was like probably about four or five years there. Well, I guess I graduated when I was like 22. So I guess it was only only like three years because I came out at 25. Mm -hmm. So in those three years after college, you know, I was still trying to date girls and um, I just still believe that I was straight. I really did. And that's, that's kind of the, the interesting thing here. So I don't ever really believe that I was in the closet very long, or at least I wasn't conscious of it. So I do believe that I was born gay. Um, and that, you know, just like you said earlier too, that we were all born atheists until we, you know, other things are influences on us. I, you know, I, I never really thought about it that way, but that's true too. Right. Um, so I, at the age of 25, you know, I was trying to date girls and I just bought a new house and I just kind of started a new job and so I was at kind of a pivotal point in my career, too, or in my life, rather, um, especially at the age of 25. It was kind of a monumental just kind of life experiences and stuff. And I was just looking at my life, and and to be frank, uh, you know, there was more instances of, to keep it PG, I was 
viewing more male-on-male visualizations than male-on-female visualizations. <laughs> um, right. But, you know, I, I kind of subdued that a little bit. You know, I wasn't still actively thinking, like, okay, these are signs, you know, that you should be making yourself aware of. And... Was that was that startling? Was that startling to you when you started to realize that you were having those types of visual? Because, like you said, you were you weren't you didn't really consider yourself to be a closeted, um, a closeted person. It's just kind of something that I mean, I you could certainly understand that with the way that most people are raised, especially people like you and I. You know, I mean, we're we are very privileged people. You know, and we were raised in very privileged circumstances as um, you know white. Christian, male, heterosexual, you know, like that's, that is overwhelmingly what culture tells us that people like you and I are supposed to be. Um, And so I I can imagine that even through college, even as you're going through this sort of religious um, awakening that still like being heterosexual is just part of your identity. You know, it was part of your identity from the moment you were born. Your, Your parents, even though I'm sure they're very lovely people, they just always assumed and expected that you would be straight and that you would meet a girl, you know, and, and have kids someday and grandkids for them and, and things like that. Exactly. And, and and that's what my mindset was, too. I never allowed for the possibility of it to be anything otherwise. But then it all kind of started to come together. And it all kind of came together at once. It wasn't like it. I mean, there was probably a little bit of, you know, gradual effects. But really, I remember... Being in my room in my new house, which I basically only had my bed in in my bedroom at that point, you know, I was painting the walls and it was a pretty empty house, but I remember just sitting there and I said it out loud. I said, Doug, you're gay. And from that point on, I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Like, it was, it was a great, like, moment. I was like, wow, this is great. Like, the skies parted and this huge rainbow came about and there was, like, unicorns prancing all over and it was just wonderful, you know? I was like, wow, I can be as fabulous as I want now. Like, I can go drink my frozen margaritas and I can drink strawberry milkshakes and, like, that all makes sense now. Sure. I think those things are delicious, too, just for the record, as, as, a, as a perfectly comfortable heterosexual man. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, what does that say about me? I don't know. But uh, I don't remember. I remember when you first posted um, and, and came out of the closet, I was just like, oh, good for you. And it's not like it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I knew it all along. I didn't. I had no idea, you know, because really someone's sexual preference and, and you know, what gender someone is sexually attracted to has nothing to do really with their personality and who they are. Um, so like when, but when you wrote it, I was just like, good for you. I was so proud. I was so proud to be your friend. I'm still so proud to be your friend. Cause I remember those high school years, you know, where you were very, I don't know about outspokenly critical about homosexuality and about atheism, but certainly when the topic came up, you were never one to shy away from saying, no, that's not okay. You know, like homosexuality is a sin and the Bible says it's a sin. And so, you know, I'm not okay with it. Yeah, no, it's true. And like, I, you know, you think about how. Like, going back, like, if my previous self could see my future self, you know, like, how shocking that would have been to 16-year-old Doug to see where 29-year-old Doug is. And I hope, I really hope that 16-year-old Doug says, wow, you know, he's doing well for, like, that is, you know, I hope that he would have that. I don't know if I would have had him, though. (laughs) Good good for him, Dwayne. I mean, (laughs) you know, like, and and in your defense... Like, you were one of the good ones, even then. You know, like, when it when it comes to Christians who really do still, to this day, cling to the idea that there is something inherently wrong with homosexuality, which obviously there isn't. 
but like you were never a hateful person. You know, like you were always one of those people who I think it just kind of seemed like you were spouting the party line. You know, and I think there are a lot of people who still do that. They're like, yeah, you know, the Bible says it's wrong. And so I think it's wrong. But like you were never like mean about it. Um, obviously you were in theater and you were very deeply ingrained in, in that culture. And there is, I mean, there's some truth to it. Like there, there are, there are a lot of gay people that are involved in theater. And I don't ever remember getting the impression of you that you were, that you thought less of them, you know, but you would, whenever it came up, you would just be like, no, it's, it's not right. And I don't agree. And I think it should be a man and a woman. And that's kind of how it is. And I was like, oh, okay, well, Hey, you do you dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> Right. And yeah, to your credit too, you were, you had your beliefs and, you weren't very, you know, I think there was good dialogue between us, even though we had differing views. But looking back, I and mean, I think I've told you this too, Noah, that you were a very, you know, positive influence on me. And I don't think I realized it at the time. Um, but just knowing that you had these differing points, and I think that, that you know, that did get ingrained into my mind that there were these alternate um, viewpoints and things. So I do think that it was a really good influence, whether I was consciously aware of it or not. Um, I think you had a really good positive influence on me growing up as well in kind of that, you know, role model kind of role. Even if I didn't know it at the time or really observe it at the time, I do think that you've helped shape my ideas. And you certainly helped shape my ideas in terms of being atheist and being more... Um, out about being um, a, a proud atheist as well. And so that, I, you know, I, I really thank you for it. And then, you know, through your videos and everything else, it really got me to think more about the parallels, like I said earlier, between the two um, and how important it is to be more uh, visual and loud about those things. So uh, I guess, you know, there's still in our culture, I get, you know, people saying, well, why do you need to have gay pride parades? And, and, and well, you have the same equal rights as uh, heterosexuals now. We gave you the right to be married. So what else do you guys need or what else do you guys want? And uh, it's just so important. And I think that kind of brings me to my next point is this tolerance scale. So we have this appreciating differences class at work, which I'm very thankful for. I wish it was a mandatory course for everyone. I work in the automotive industry and... That in itself is a somewhat toxic um, environment. Oh, sure. Especially when you're sure. Especially in greater Detroit. I mean, that's like, the, you know, like that's the, the cradle of the automotive industry for sure. Yeah. And so right now I'm actually working in Toledo and I am in this trailer, this modular trailer um, in, in the parking lot because we're on this launch team for a new vehicle. And so I'm surrounded by these... 40 to 50 year old men that are divorced and it's just like five to six of them in this trailer. And the things that they talk about is, is just, uh, disgusting. Uh, you know, they talk about women in such degrading ways. They talk about, you know, politics as matter of fact and everything else. And I, I've only, I've only been on this rotation for about three weeks, but my tongue is very sore because <laughs> I have been yeah. biting my tongue. Um, because it just hasn't been worth it yet. I'm trying to figure out how to finagle my way in there yet. But uh, I guess I'll, I'll I'll work on that. But I guess it, to, to get to my next point is this tolerance scale, right? So we talked about this in this appreciating differences class, that there's five levels of tolerance. At the, at the very bottom is repulsion, right? So that you, you just view this, whatever like the, the difference is, whether it's... 
yes, that, that, that other person does not belong here. You, you know, you, you don't want to come in contact with them and it causes you a lot of discomfort to be around that type of person just because of the things that they believe or what their diversity is. So that's at the very bottom. Um, and then like level two, you have avoidance. So you, you don't like it, but you just avoid it. Three, you have tolerance. So you believe they have a right to be treated respectfully, but you still don't really go out of your way to accept them, which is number four is acceptance. And then number five is appreciation. So at five, you're saying, I want to be around this different type of person and I appreciate who they are. Um, and so I think it's interesting to think about both being gay and atheism on that scale. And I honestly, you know, I was thinking about it, and I think that, so if we're saying higher on the scale is closer to appreciation and lower on the scale is closer to repulsion, I think that atheism is probably lower on that scale than being gay is. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? I, I definitely, uh, I mean, it, it's it's hard for me to speak from a point of experience because obviously I am an atheist, but I am not, I am not a gay man, you know. Um, so it's right. hard for me to, to speak from it from a, the same viewpoint that you have, but I definitely would not be surprised if that's true, that if you just asked, you know, a million people, if you took like a poll, which would bother you more about somebody, them being an atheist or them being gay? Um, I think that most people would say, well, it bothers me more if they're an atheist. Um, and I think that that yeah. probably speaks to, and I think I mentioned this maybe even in, I think it was in the first episode, that I talked about how far... Um, tolerance of different sexual viewpoints has come, or, you know, in the last even just 20 or 30 years, you know, whether it's um, homosexuality or bisexuality or, or, you know, transgender or questioning, like the whole LGBTQ spectrum, if you had asked someone 30 years ago that question, they'd have been like, you know, pardon my French, but they'd have been like, screw them both equally. You know, like if you're, if you're gay, get out of here. If you're an atheist, get out of here. Um, but there's been a really, obviously a huge cultural um, shift over the last few decades towards accepting that gay people, transgender people, like they're all just, you know, they're, they're really no different. And it almost kind of bothers me not to go off on a whole separate topic, but like even I have been guilty of this. I've referenced um, LGBTQ rights and how I'm, a, how I'm a supporter of that. And I almost feel like that's a problem in its own right because like really there shouldn't be LGBTQ rights, like right, there should just be human rights, like, and they should all apply to everybody equally and that's like idyllic that's how it should be um but obviously we have to have lgbtq rights because of the fact that we are still in this society and in this culture that does not recognize them as inherently equal um and so we have to have people like you um who are who are doing your part by being very um outspoken and very clear about exactly who and what you are and how that's okay and how you are very comfortable with yourself and love yourself as you should um, and I, and I, I want to go back and say thank you because you said a lot of very flattering and very nice things um, about me. Um, and I'm, I'm very humbled to have played even the tiniest role um, in kind of helping you get to who you are now because Doug, you're just you're wonderful. You're a great friend. You're a great person. I'm so glad that you were able to come on the show. Um, do you have anything else that you want to to say in kind of wrapping up? Yeah, um, just real quickly, so I do want to, check my privilege too. So in that tolerance scale, you know, I, I don't want to make the mistake of lumping them all together because I do think, you know, I can't say that being a white, you know, cisgendered male 
is, you know, any by any means comparable to, like, the trans community. And I think the trans community, you know, still faces much more difficulty on the tolerance scale um, than I do as a gay white male who can sometimes suppress my, you know, gayness and come off as being hetero when I need to be. And right. so there is still, you know, a lot of aspects of that. So I don't want to lump them all together in terms of saying that we're all, you know, in, in one aspect on, on the scale. But yeah, I agree with you, Noah. I think that there's, um, atheism, you know, doesn't have that same visualization. Uh, and, and that, I think that's important, right? So you look at our politicians and with this last, you know, uh, we, we've got gay senators now, which is amazing. And they're out and they're, you know, identifying as such but we haven't gotten to that point with with atheists and and unless i mean unless i'm wrong do you know of any out i think there i think atheists? there's one i think there's one and actually it's funny because when i was doing my videos a couple months ago i, I referenced the fact that there were none <clears throat> and i think that at the time that was correct but i remember reading okay. just within the last couple of weeks it's either a member of i don't think it's a senator i think it might be a member of the house because they were just doing all of the swearing in for the for the new Congress. Oh think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think it mentioned that there was. I don't think that they that they specifically identify as an atheist, but that they they are not officially affiliated with any religious um, belief. That they are a, they're a nun, as as Chad put it. Um, in our, and that's that's yeah. a common um, expression to identify as a nun, um, which basically means that they're an atheist and they just don't want to use that word for political reasons. But. Um, yeah, they're one of us. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that you know is a is a distinction. To start, like, we need more visualization. We do. I mean, it it does need to be more brought about, and I think that that you know, hopefully, maybe it'll follow the same path, and we will get to that point. But yeah, I, um, I and, guess and that's pretty much and all. It's, and, it's, and you're right about checking our privilege because you're right. Like I still I still enjoy a lot of privilege in my life. We we both do. Um, you're right. Like you and I could walk down the street. Um, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen what either one of us looks like, but we're both very, very white. Like there is, there is no confusing the fact that we are as white as it gets. Um, <clears throat> and so obviously I'm very aware of the, the racial privilege that, that you and I both enjoy. Um, and I, I wish it weren't that way, but it is. Um, we, we're both men, you know, even if people don't realize that, that you are a gay man, people, you're right. People would look at you and they would just be like, oh, there's a good old fashioned, straight, white Christian guy. Like if you didn't tell them any different, that's just what they would assume to look at you. You know, when, when you're a minority, when you're a racial minority or when you're a woman, you know, women still face obviously tons of discrimination every day. And in, in a lot of ways, when you're a minority, when you're a woman, you're walking down the street and you're going to have all kinds of people thinking all kinds of kind of preformed judgments about you just just based on what they can see what they can look at and you know you and I are the beneficiary of a lot of privileges um, but being atheists and obviously self-identifying very publicly as atheists we do kind of I guess feel some of that sting you know in, in a much a much more controllable scale right because you and I have control over who we who we give that information to um, right so even then it's not nearly the same thing. Yeah, so I think both, you know, have their own struggles and not to say that it's, you know, but going back to the visible diversity versus the, you know, hidden diversities or the silent diversities that you don't see or don't know about, which requires right. these coming outs. But they each have their own struggles and it's not to say one is, you know, any more severe or different than the other. Um, but yeah, so they each have their kind of own struggles and that kind of brings it full circle back to that, um, you know, kind of how I started with talking about what those silent diversities are that different people have and that we just need to accept and not make assumptions about who someone is. 
Right, exactly. And yeah, and religion has a lot to do with kind of keeping those viewpoints perpetuated. You know, that like a religion does have, like, regardless of what anyone wants to say, and I've been very clear that I don't want this to be a religion bashing show, and, it, and it's not, but there is a lot of truth to the notion that religion is responsible for a lot of the um, the toxic masculinity, you know, in, in the world in terms of the way that women are looked down upon as, as less than equal. Um, you know, modern religion in terms of like your, your extremist people on the right and a lot of the racism that is still kind of, you know, kind of roaring back to life over the last, you know, certainly over this presidency. Um, yeah, like religion is not to be blamed for all of the world's woes, that's to be sure, but it definitely in some ways contributes to some of these problems. Um, so I'm glad that there's people like you out there who are setting a good example for atheism and for setting a good example for the fact that being gay has nothing to do with whether or not you're a good person. Um, and it doesn't mean you're going to hell because we don't believe in a hell, but <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of running, I'm running out of steam. I'm like, yeah, this is good. This is good. This is, this is, this is good. This is good. And then I'm like, <laughs> this, this is real good. Yeah. No, yeah I think you that, know, that, you know that pretty much. Job if I'm starting to run out of stuff to say. <laughs> Perfect. No, I, I, I think I pretty much said everything that I wanted to say. So I, again, I thank you for, for having me on. Um, you know, I'm really excited about the future of this podcast. I hope that, you know, in the first podcast, you spoke about the future listeners. And I, and I hope that that's, that's going to be true, right? That somebody is listening to this and they're going back to the third episode and they've just listened to episode 37 and then they're going to go back to episode three or episode one. And, and that's where this evolves to because it is important. And I, I think you've got a great platform here. Um, and I just oh, wish thanks, you Tom. all the success in, in, um, and going forward with it. So thank you so much. And you know, fight. and you know, you know what I hope, what I, what I hope beyond anything, never mind what I'm trying to do on this show. And I am trying to do some good and affect some change, but I hope that somewhere out there is, you know, another 19 year old Doug or a 16 year old Doug, you know, who for whatever reason, by whatever means winds up listening to this episode and this show and, and here's what you have to say and thinks, yeah, you know what, maybe I need to really rethink some of this stuff, you know, like, if, if, if the words that you are coming on the show and sharing um, and the conversations that we are having make even the tiniest difference. And like you said, you pointed it out very eloquently that at the time you didn't even realize um, that your girlfriend, um, that people like me were having this sort of impact on you. And it wasn't until years later that it really kind of manifested. So that's the hope. That's the hope for this show. And I'm so glad you came on, Doug. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. We actually had a little bit of trouble scheduling this because I've, you know, I've got dumb kids and you know you've, you've got dumb work and yeah things are dumb but we made it happen i'm so glad i you, you got to come back on you got to come back on again for sure all right i'll i'll be there all right right on <laughs> all right uh well thanks a lot doug um so there you have it the definitive doug ferguson interview uh you heard it here on there is no godcast we're going to take a quick break and then we will be right back can learn to spot them. Evolution even teaches us how we got them. So learn to love facts and you might just get a passion to put that skepticism into action. I confess it, I'm a skeptic. I believe in the scientific method. I believe in reason and evidence. And things being tested. But I believe in people too. I may not believe in the things you do. But I believe in you. And now we're back in my audio not sucking land. So I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, we're going to finish out the show with, as I said earlier, if you if anyone remembers back that far, I've got a listener question that I want to talk about. 
and then we'll call it a day. So I've got this question, and as will always be the case, just for the record, anybody who writes into the show, I would love that. Um, you can write into the show, there is no godcast at gmail.com. You can uh, inbox the the Facebook site. You can you know go to our Twitter. You can ask questions any way you want. We'd love to get. I'd love to get questions to talk about on the show, um, or just su- suggestions of topics, any anything like that. But just for the record, in case this wasn't already abundantly clear, anybody who does not explicitly state otherwise, I will always presume that you do not want your name <laughs> used on the show. Uh, I know that there are people who I've talked with off air, you know, via Facebook Messenger and things like that, where they've made it relatively clear that they are not completely out of the closet as atheists, and it's never, ever going to be my intention to put anybody in an uncomfortable position by having their name broadcast to the entire world. Uh, I do, and that's my choice, and I, you know, that's, I have agency over that choice, but I don't want to take that agency away from anyone else. So if someone, if you want to participate in the show, send me any thoughts, questions, or, or things you'd like to see discussed that you have. Just know that if you would like to be credited on the show, I'm more than happy to give you credit for your question or your suggestion. Just make it a point to say, Hey, you know, go feel free to use my name on the show. I'm loud and proud. Maybe I'll make that a hashtag loud and proud. But I totally understand there are a lot of really valid reasons to not be loud and proud. Not everybody has it um, easy enough where they can just kind of come out of the closet and not have any, you know, consequences or repercussions. And I totally respect that. I want to be very sensitive to that. So without further ado, here is the question from our listener. Uh, I'm just going to quote her directly. So I have a question. What do you say to the random people that make comments to you like, God bless you? I was in the grocery store the other day, and a lady was behind me in line. She started talking to me about uh, my current pregnancy. Then she all of a sudden made some comment about, that's why God meant for us to have children when we are young. Uh, And she says in parentheses, I think she was implying that I was young and not being derogatory about me being in my 30s. I wanted to say, one, I'm not that young. Two, I chose to get pregnant when I did. Three, God has nothing to do with my reproductive system because he doesn't exist. Instead, I just stood there with this weird, slanty smile. Is there any point saying anything to people like this? Do you say it even if there isn't a point? When do you just keep your mouth shut and move on? Would love to hear your thoughts when you get some time. So I feel like there are there's some kind of connective tissue to this question with my thoughts on Christmas, but it's not quite the same thing. If, if anyone recalls, you know, my views on, on Christmas and wishing people a Merry Christmas is very diplomatic. Basically, when someone says Merry Christmas, I say Merry Christmas. I will say, and thank you very much for the question, this is a little bit different though, right? Because when someone says, God bless you, uh, or makes comments about, you know, oh, well, it's just such a blessing that, you you know, that you've got this pregnancy or that you've got these children or, or, or whatever else. You kind of want to, or at least I can only really speak from my perspective. I always want to be appreciative and grateful because obviously they mean well, right? Like when they're wishing you well, when they're talking about these blessings that they attribute to God, like that's their choice to attribute these things to God. But ultimately they're just wishing you well. They're saying like, I'm glad that you that you're going to have this baby. That's wonderful news. Uh, and when someone says, God bless you, that's really no different than just saying, have a great day, you know, or at least in terms of what the, the intention is behind saying something like that. So when people say, God bless you or, or things like that, I tend to just try to always be as gracious as I can and, and say, thank you. I don't, that's not something that I'll say back. Like, I'll wish someone a Merry Christmas back because I, I do wish that they have a Merry Christmas, but I feel a little disingenuous saying, God bless you too, or, 
you know, something like that. Because I, it just feels like, I don't know, it feels really fake. As I said, it feels very disingenuous. Uh, but no, I guess to answer your larger question, is there any purpose in saying something in situations like that? And I assume that she means, is there any purpose in saying, well, actually, I'm an atheist? No, I, I think in a in a setting where you're just having a completely you know, coincidental interaction with a stranger. No, frankly, it's, in my opinion, it's just not really the time or place. That's, that's not the kind of battle that you really want to, you pick, you know, you got to, you got to pick your battles when you've just got a well-wishing stranger who's saying, oh, that's nice that you're having a baby. God bless you. I think really the most appropriate thing to do is exactly what you did to just smile, be appreciative that they have kind sentiments towards you. Um, you know, I, I suppose if they were to ask you any direct questions about, if you if you have faith or if you go to church, like I can say that I've had interactions with strangers where they've made assumptions about me where they'll say, I don't remember what it was, but I remember like years ago there was a coworker who said something about like, oh, well, when I go to church and, and what church do you go to? Actually, no, I take that back. It was a coworker of my wife's. I was at a, a function of hers and they said like, oh, what, what church do you guys go to? And it was just like a foregone conclusion in their minds that we went to church. Um, and I knew having this conversation that I would probably never see this person again. And sure enough, I haven't. It was, it was like a big, it was like a, I don't know, it was, it was, I don't think it was a party. It was just some kind of thing where there were lots of people. It was at like a, a hotel conference, uh, place. And I think it was like a dinner of some kind. And yeah, like if that's the case, if they ask you a direct question, certainly, you know, me, like I, I'm a huge advocate of, of being honest and not feeling like I have to hide my atheism. A lot of times I don't go out of my way to shove it in people's faces because it just seems like it's it's really only just trying to provoke them. S especially, like I said, if they're just trying to be kind and wish you well, then you should just really be gracious as you can and accept the well wishes and be on your way. But if they ask you a direct question, there no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with just very politely saying, oh, actually, we don't go to church. And you don't even have to use the dirty, dirty A word if you think that it's going to make them you know, feel uncomfortable uh, because for some people it does. But I think that it does kind of taste a little better going down to just say we don't go to church because I think there are a lot of people these days who don't go to church, even those who don't really self-ascribe the term atheist uh, to themselves. It's just, you know, I don't go to church. And, if, and it's usually people will just leave it at that. They kind of know better than to press it. I think I can only remember a handful of times in my life where anyone has pressed it as a stranger because I think they know they don't really have the social clout with you as a stranger to be entitled to, to push it much further. But if they do, then yeah, you know, game on <laughs> and then feel free to kind of let them have it, not in a mean or an aggressive way, but just to be like, well, actually, I'm an atheist. I don't I don't share your beliefs and I, I don't really feel like I have to defend them to you because I don't even know you. So I hope that answers your question. I really appreciate you sending it in. That's in a nutshell. When someone says God bless you, just kind of smile and, and say thank you. I, I guess that's really the simplest way to go. And as far as your baby, uh, hopefully everything is going well with that. I don't want to air too much of your personal situation on, on the show. Um, but I know that she has had her baby um, and so congratulations and thank you so much for being a supporter of this show. And that is all we've got for you guys today. Please make sure if you haven't already to rate and review the show on iTunes or whatever you're using to listen to the show could really use those rates and reviews and shares, uh, share, 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 share the show. Actually, Doug, when we went off the air, we were talking about that and he was saying how, you know, he is really excited to share the show and to try and get other people he knows to listen to the show that that's huge like word of mouth is huge so if you know anyone who you think might enjoy this show please uh, you know beg them to to just give it a try even once just you know it's hey maybe you, you never know maybe it'll be for them maybe it won't but i certainly would appreciate uh the share the rates the reviews 
if you are so inclined to take a moment to help me out. And speaking of helping people out, please do not forget to head over to Northern Indiana Atheists on Facebook or their website, northernindianaatheist.com. They are uh, my partner in, in doing this show. So definitely show them some love, show them some support with your dollars, with your shares, with your Facebook likes. It's a wonderful organization, so please do whatever you can to support them. I also wanted to wait till the end of the show this time around. I'm kind of toying around with how to give proper credit, uh, but the end of the show feels like the right place to do the credits and give credit where it's due. I want to thank Baba Brinkman for uh, his graciously giving um our show permission to use his music. Um, he is a wonderful secular hip hop artist. Uh, so the music that you hear during transitions, all credit goes to him. You can find more of his music on YouTube or at his website, music.bababrinkman.com. That's B-A-B-A-B-R-I-N-K-M-A-N, music.bababrinkman.com. Uh, the song we uh, featured today is called Confessions of a Skeptic. So please check out his music and support secular artists. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, someone told me after the last show they really enjoyed the the tagline that I had at the end, so I guess uh, just don't stop not believing. We'll see you next time. <laughs>